Everybody, everybody, it is Podcast Tuesday and it is 7 o'clock and time for another episode of Uproot on Air. Brought to you by East Broadcast Network in association with Uproot INC, the nonprofit organization, KNFK Services, and I am your host, Antoine Dean. Last week, we talked about the day in life of what it looks like for law enforcement officers. This week, we're going to get into what it looks like for a person being pulled over by law enforcement and how that feels on that side. And we're going to get into it. Sit back, relax and enjoy the next half hour with me and Uproot On Air. And we'll be back after the break. Welcome, welcome back from the break. Played a little old school. Rakim, don't sweat the technique. So, I had an opportunity um, while I was in Texas to pay my respects to both Atatiana Jefferson's home and her place where she was buried. And um, I was hoping to be able to contact some of the family, but I wasn't able to um, in Fort Worth. Um, this Saturday, uh, last Saturday, and I also had an opportunity to travel to Temple, Texas. Coincidentally, the places aren't too much far from each other, about two hours away from Fort Worth is Temple, um, and have an opportunity to make contact with um, where the incident happened. And I wasn't able to make contact. I was going, I went to the news to get some more information and as well as to try to contact the family and um, talk to the Temple Police Department, but uh, no one was available at the time frame. And the reason why I did that, because as an organization, reaching out to the family um, is what I want to start doing in these tragic events to let them know there is an organization out there that's doing what we can to try to bring more awareness of what law enforcement is. Also working on better ways to, when we make contact with law enforcement and encounter law enforcement, we're doing everything that we can do not to be put in a situation to where they use deadly force on us. And sometimes when you look at the stories and you read the the headlines and you know from my personal experience has been in law enforcement, that some of these things are just you can't believe why they're happening the way they're happening. Um, but our job here is to eliminate all possibilities. And the reason why I'm telling you that is because if they're always able to say with that use of force that you're not doing as you were asked to do with a lawful order, there's always a next step that they can do. Now, the law enforcement knows how that works. And anybody who's been in law enforcement long enough knows that deadly force should always be a last result. And with the last couple of years, the highlights that they've shown of all of the, the black men and women that have been killed by law enforcement, there's also been a lot of white people killed, too. But for some reason, you don't ever hear about that. And that's just another story that we'll get into another day. It's tragic that it's happening. That's the bottom line. And what our job is, what my job is as a representative of this organization from being in law enforcement and doing the job, working in some pretty bad places, knowing that what I see and I hear and I'm learning is just not what's supposed to happen. 
The job is dangerous. There's no if and buts about it. But it never seems to happen to people who actually should have received deadly force. Someone who's actively threatening to kill the police. You never hear about those stories. You always hear about the ones where somebody who's doing exactly what they're supposed to do gets shot. Why is that? And why is it that that's so dangerous for both the person sitting in that passenger and driver's, driver and passenger seat and the officer? And the reason why that is because there's a lot of factors is the ego on the officer's end because they show up with the ego because they're the police officer, the law enforcement officer, they're the FBI, the deputy sheriff or whoever it is, and they have a perceived authority. With the FBI, it's an investigative authority to go in any state and do an investigation for a crime that they feel that you're a national um, nationalist or whatever the case, you may be a threat to America, so they're going to do an investigation. Their rules and regulations are a lot different than the local municipalities and the sheriff deputies. They, They have more leniency to a certain extent because they're federal law enforcement. The local and uh, municipalities, their jurisdiction is within that bounds of that county or that city or that state that they work in, and they have to abide by the U.S. Constitution as well as that state constitution. So it's not as broad for them. They must and have to abide by the laws like they're supposed to. So does the FBI, but the FBI also can come down on the local law enforcement, and they have local uh, investigative support like the GBI in Georgia or the Texas Rangers that does independent investigations whenever law enforcement does something that it's not supposed to. And that's how it works. And then, but the FBI is pretty much the, like the, the grandfather on top of all of them. They have more autonomy. With that being said, most of the rules and regulations that law enforcement gets comes from that group of people because they set the standard. So when you have use of force, the model that they use is based off of that FBI model. And it used to be called a force continuum from uh, officers' presence all the way up to deadly force. And the reason why I'm always talking about this is because this is the piece that people don't understand the most without removing all the other pieces of the puzzle and giving them nothing to go to the next level with keeps people safer. And what do I mean by that? That means if you get pulled over and that officer is a butthole, let that guy be a butthole. And I'm going to tell you an experience recently that me and my son was traveling from Florida, my oldest son. We were leaving Florida um, a couple of months ago. I want to say right after the holiday season um, in January, Uh, everything, you know, starts to the hustle and bustle starts to slow down. Well, you know, I was doing an engineer job in uh, Florida and uh, uh, my son went with me because he was, wasn't was uh, at work. He didn't have to work that week. So I said, hey, man, let's go to Florida. So I went down to Florida and had a good time for a week. And on our way up, I'm driving a rental car. The rental car has New Jersey license plates on it. And I just had gotten, I think, below um, Henry County, which is in Georgia. I saw the cop sitting on the side of the road or the deputy or whoever he was sitting on the side of the road and I wasn't speeding because I had the um, cruise control on and the speed limit was 70. I think I might have been doing right at 71. I mean, technically, I guess 
I was speeding, but 71, why would you pull somebody over for that? I only know of one agency in Georgia that can do that, and that's the state troopers. And I'm going with the flow of traffic that people are actually passing me because I'm cruise control. I'm having a great conversation with my son, and, you know, we're just hanging. We're on the way back to the house. I look back, and the guy, maybe like I'd have pulled up about a mile. I'm driving about a mile after passing him. And I look back, and he's on my driver's side. On the, excuse me, he's on the passenger side. So I'm like, cool, he's, you know, about to pass me by. Then he gets behind me. And I say, well, oh, he's about to pull me over. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not speeding. I'm not doing anything that I would be considered to be illegal. So five seconds later, he blue lights me. And I said, yeah, what is he pulling me over for? Anxiety automatically starts. I've been in the business for 20 years. And when I get pulled over, I get afraid. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get that guy who can't wait to shoot you. Or you don't know if that guy can't wait to arrest you. I know I don't have any warrants on me. I know I haven't violated law. But there's always an anxiety. There's always that fear. Either I'm going to get a ticket. Nobody wants to get a ticket and nobody wants to get arrested. And that's what I'm trying to relay over to you. So when you get pulled over, even myself, I'm nervous. He could have been a black guy, and I'd have been nervous. And the reason why is because of those things I just just said about. So he pulls me over. And my son's like, were you speeding? I'm like, not that I can tell. He's like, you had to be speeding. I was like, no, I wasn't. So I pulled over immediately and got out of the roadway, which is something you should do if it's safe, is to pull over immediately because if you don't, that officer is going to think that you're trying to elude him. But if it's a dark place and there's no lighting, Find somewhere safe to pull over. But it was still in the middle of the daytime and the sun was out and it was raining slightly, I I believe. So I pulled over immediately and we're on 75 northbound going towards Atlanta. As soon as I pulled over, he walks up to the passenger side, which is standard most of the time on a busy highway so that he won't get hit by oncoming traffic. And my son rolls his window down. And he immediately had an attitude. I could tell it just from the way he presented himself. And he never introduced himself. He never told me who he was and what department he worked for. So I honestly didn't know if he was actually a police officer or not. I mean, he had a uniform on. He had a badge on, but I couldn't tell what his name was. He never did say who he was. And he had a full goatee and a beard, which is something that I had understand. But then I took a closer look at his uniform and it happened to say canine special unit. And I'll be back after the break. Sit tight. All right, welcome back. So like I was saying, so he comes up to the vehicle. Again, he never tells me who he is. And this is how I was trained. Old school. Verbal judo, come up to the vehicle, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Officer Dean with the Atlanta Police Department. The reason why I pulled you over was because of blah, blah, blah. Never said anything like that. He comes up to the vehicle, and this is something that for him as an officer is dangerous. He stands right in front of the window and pokes his head in. And the only reason why he was doing that, because he was trying to smell for drugs. These officers are trained when they're on these special units looking for drugs. And I think the reason why he sat beside me for 
about maybe half a mile before he decided to pull me over because he wanted to, he ran the tags and the plates. He saw that it was two African-American guys in the car, which I'm telling you this for a fact. His reasoning for pulling me over, get this, is because I was too close to the vehicle that was in front of me, which I know that wasn't true because I had enough room for another vehicle to slide in and out. I always do that. I do that on purpose for accident purposes. So he was looking for drugs and he saw a New Jersey plate. He automatically made an assumption. He's probably working a special detail, a canine unit, special unit, and he's probably popped somebody. He thinks that I'm coming from somewhere picking up some drugs and dropping them off. They do that all the time when they're on those particular types of units or when they're those types of officers looking for drugs. And they automatically assume this is where that assumption comes in. It's where this bias comes in at from being, from doing that type of a job. So that's a problem, but that can only be, that is again, that's a training issue. It could be a personal issue. And the reason why I'm saying all of these things is because if it is, and he has a personal vendetta against African-Americans. I'm not saying that he does. I don't know that for a fact. I don't even know who he is because I never know, never got his name. I never got his badge number. But the moment he pulled it, stuck his head into that vehicle, I automatically knew what he was looking for. And his, the fact that he had the special unit canine on his um, lapel, on his shirt, on his uniform. He never told me his name. So he asked me for my driver's license, which I'd already had out. And I told him it was a rental. I grabbed the rental paperwork and I gave it to him. And I didn't say anything. He started talking to my son and I looked at my son and he just, and he started to be quiet. And I didn't say anything else to him. So he was looking through the paperwork. He said, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, no. And then he decided to tell me, well, I pulled you over because you were too close to that vehicle. And I didn't say anything. He said, you don't have anything to say? I said, I just found out why you pulled me over. He said, you don't talk much. You okay? I said, I know from my experience in law enforcement for 20 years not to talk to the police unless it's absolutely necessary. And he looked at the paperwork. He looked at my driver's license. So is this a rental? And I said, yes. It's in the company's name, but my name is also attached to it. So he started talking about the rental car. I started talking about the rental car. He never ran my name. He never did anything. He sat there the whole time with his head stuck in that door. Now, if I'd have been a bad person or wanted to do something to that guy, because I know how safe, I know that's a safety issue to have your head stuck into a window of a car, I could have done something to him. But I'm not that kind of dude, and I'm telling you guys don't do it either. Because the minute you roll up that window and start trying to drive away, he is going to use deadly force because that's a deadly force scenario for him may even be basing you to get to that point. So you don't give them that. This is how you find out whether or not the person has a bias towards you or not. If you're doing everything you're supposed to do and you still get beat up or you still get uh, mistreated or something bad happens to you, that's a problem. That's when we can do more for it versus him always saying, now if I don't argue with that officer, and I'd dic- try to dictate the flow of how the traffic stop was going to go because I thought he was being a jerk and I became a jerk with him. The ego, like I said before, he already showed up with one. I'm not going to let myself be put in a position to where I'm going back and forth with him. I'm not. I'm going to practice what I preach. I'm always telling you guys not to argue with the police. I'm not going to do that when I'm even though that I, I know that what he was doing was wrong and he knows he might have been pretexting, which is 
what people who have experience with dealing with certain types of individuals who sell drugs or whatever the case may be, they use that to pull you over. That's that's game I just gave you. Sit back, relax, and I'll be back after the break. So yeah, that's called pretexting. And that's important for you to understand that. So sometimes when you get pulled over and you think you're being pulled over absolutely nothing, there's always a reason for why they're pulling you over. It may be because you have been in a situation where you were uh, caught selling drugs. So now every time the cop sees you or a law enforcement officer sees you, they're going to always find a reason to pull you over. And it could be something as little as you got a cracked windshield. Or One of the videos I watched a couple of days ago was a guy had an obstruction in his um, his windshield underneath his uh, rearview mirror. And the passenger was known for running drugs. The driver, maybe no history, but they use that and they can do that by law, but they can't search your vehicle unless they have probable cause or you give them consent or search. And we're going to get into that later. So don't argue with them. Now, what do you do when you got a scenario like that? When you got an officer, you don't know who he is. You don't know what police department he works for. I could have asked that question and I should have. And the reason why I didn't, because I just wanted to go. I know that after I told him and I do this on purpose so that I can get them to understand that I know what you're doing is wrong and I'm going to talk about it. And if I had an opportunity to, uh, to sit down with a supervisor that belongs to this officer, I will express my interest in um, coming into that department and talking more and more about why you shouldn't treat people certain ways. Because first of all, what you're doing is unconstitutional. It is. If you're really looking for drugs, that's fine. But every black male you pull over or every Hispanic male or every whatever in your mind you think you're pretexting, you're also being biased and pulling people over just because you think that I got dope. And I'm not going to argue. So when you get a scenario like that, don't argue with the officer. Let them do their job. Document like I said, I should have asked for his name and his department so that if I wanted to file a complaint, then you do that. That's what you should do. If you feel like you've been harassed, because I actually felt like I got harassed. I've been pulled over more now since I've retired from law enforcement than I ever did when I was a cop. And that's crazy because I'm not even violating any laws. I'm not doing anything that would dictate for me to be getting pulled over to me. But again, sitting in that patrol vehicle, if you have experienced people driving with foreign tags on this particular stretch of road and it just happened to be two black males in the car, in your mind, you're gonna always pretext that, oh, they might got some dope. You're a canine unit, you got a canine dog in the car, which is another situation. If he'd have asked to search my car, I could have said no, which I would have done. But with him having that canine dog, with canine is different. Because if he wasn't a canine officer and he didn't already have the dog and he wanted to make me wait or detain me, he could do one of two things. Either obtain a search warrant or use the dog to see if it hits. Now, if the dog has a hit, now they can search the vehicle. And if they find anything, then you're subject of that. But most of the time, you do not have to consent to a search. 
but they can play a game with you and they can make you wait to get a search warrant, which is reasonably necessary. But most of the time, they're not going to do that if they don't have any probable cause. And do not let them search your vehicle. You don't have to. It's unconstitutional. It's a Fourth Amendment violation. They have to play by the rules. Make them play by the rules. But on your end, don't argue with them. Don't make it more confrontational than what it already is. So get back to what I was saying. When you're getting pulled over or when you encounter law enforcement, you're already nervous. You're already dealing with some form of anxiety because, again, nobody wants to be arrested. Even if you even, you know, like I know, I don't have a criminal record. I've never done anything to have a warrant out on me and I don't, I'm not going to start now. So, but we also know that there are those 10% people out there that will come create a scenario that, well, you're wanted. Well, dude, I know I'm not wanted because I just got my security clearance re-upped. So don't argue with them. Call a supervisor, get somebody involved that can actually address this problem that's neutral. Or if that's not the case, if a supervisor is not involved, there is an internal investigation that works for most every police department that you can go and um, file a complaint with. That's why I'm telling you, always do what you're supposed to do. Be responsible for your actions. Don't get into an argument. Don't fuss. Don't fight. Because those are things that they're looking for to be able to use force on you. And they will use force. And what I mean by that, if an officer gives you a lawful command, like put your hands on the steering wheel, step out of the vehicle, do it. Don't argue, because if you don't do it, then the next step is, yes, they're going to pull you out of the vehicle. And I don't care how many videos you see. It may look bad and it may be morally incorrect, but the law says that they can do that type of stuff. It becomes unnecessary if you're complying and then they pull you out of the vehicle. That's where we have to start doing more of, okay. you may not want to hear what I have to say about it, but it's true. If you do what they ask you to do and you still get beat up, I know it sounds bad, but it's better for you to get beat up and you have not done something. And then you go to court and then that officer loses his job or that department changes its policies because the officer did something he wasn't supposed to do versus you getting shot and killed for actually doing something that they can go back and say, well, you did that. And that's why the officer shot you. And then he doesn't receive any justification. Oh, you don't receive any justice. Your family doesn't receive any justice because they said that you've done something. That's the reason why I went to go visit those and pay my respects with those two um, in Texas, Tatiana and Michael Dean, because Michael Dean and Tatiana did nothing for that officers to do what they did. They didn't fight. They didn't argue. Michael Dean's case was he got pulled over. The officer had his gun already drawn on him. And as he was grabbing his keys, for whatever reason, he wanted the man's keys, which is something that shouldn't be done. First of all, if you're going to have your your um, gun drawn, don't have your finger on the trigger. You're not trained to do that. You're not supposed to do that. You only put your finger on the trigger when you plan to shoot somebody. So his whole time, for whatever was going on in his mind, he shouldn't have had his finger on his trigger. So what happened is he had that gun pointed so close to his head that he shot him when he grabbed the keys from him, as according to what the, the report from the Texas Rangers came through. So he's being charged with manslaughter, which the appropriate charge should be murder. But they're saying it's because of negligence, not because it was malice. 
but that's to remain to be seen. Hopefully they'll bump that charge up. But that's the type of stuff that we have to start working towards. Police officers are, are reactive. They're not proactive, as many think that they are. What you do, they have reasonable steps to do more. So if you're doing everything that they're telling you to do and they take it to a above and beyond scenario like Michael Dean, he lost his life because an officer wasn't doing his job correctly or he was overzealous or whatever the term needed to be used to describe how negligent he was. He might have been biased to black people, but we won't ever know that in court. It's never going to come out unless they go back and show something saying that he had a a prior history with being um, aggressive towards African-Americans. And that's never going to come out. That's the sad part about it. That's why if you do everything that you're told to do and the results are negative, then the charges will be appropriate. Most often cases, we have to change the policies and procedures of law enforcement. But until we get to the point that we can do that, let's remove that piece of the puzzle from them prospectively so that if he says or she says, get out of the vehicle, you're not arguing with them. You're just getting out. Don't argue with the fact that, I mean, you do have the right to know why you're getting out. You can ask that question, man, why are you pulling me out of the vehicle while you're getting out? Don't be argumentative. You can be questionable, but question in a way that doesn't bring his or her ego lower or higher for him. Do you understand what I mean by that? Don't be so aggressive towards asking a question. And I know you're saying to yourself, well, I can say whatever I want to. It's a first amendment, right? Yes, you can. But remember that that dummy has a gun. And if he's a dummy, and I mean that when I say dummy, because dummies don't pay attention to what's going on. If he's a dummy or she's a dummy and you're just asking questions, they may construe that as you're being aggressive towards them and they may take action against you. That's a retraining issue. And until we get to the point where we're in departments retraining that out of people, which takes time, just like it's going to take time for me to get this information to you to understand it, to, it's easier for you to be like, all right, I'm just going to be quiet. Document. Somebody can record it or you can keep it in your mind. And when you get to court, you be like, OK. Or as soon as that traffic stop is over, it, drive to the police department and ask to see a supervisor. I call to ask for a supervisor to come out. People used to do it to us all the time. Sometimes it might straighten that officer up. And sometimes it won't. If you got a, a officer's supervisor that's worse than the one that, that pulled you over, then you got a problem. That's why you take it to the next level. But I'm telling you, don't argue, don't fight, don't run, because the results are never going to be in the favor of the person. OK, sit back, relax, and I'll be back after the break. So look, again, when you encounter law enforcement, it's your nerves up. You're either nervous because you don't know what you're going to get, but sometimes you might actually have done something and that could be a problem too. But you have to be in control of yourself and that's what I mean by you have to take responsibility for your actions because you don't take responsibility for your actions, the results could be negative for you. If you're going to get arrested, which nobody wants to be arrested and nobody wants to receive a citation, that sucks. But arguing with the officer and creating more of a a pissing contest for yourself, it's not going to work out in your favor. Now, 
is that right for the officer to take advantage of that? It's not. But you have to understand that an officer has a job that they enforce law. And regardless of how you feel about it, you can't fight an officer and not have a consequence behind it because there are rules that dictate that that's what they can do. In their guidelines, they can't overboard it. And when they overboard it, that's when the law is supposed to step in and protect you. That's what the Constitution and the amendments are for. But you can't egg them on and create a scenario to where they say that you did something that caused them to have to do this. So comply, comply, comply. A lot of you don't like hearing that, but it's the truth. If you take that steak out of that lion's mouth, it'll starve to death if you don't feed it. It'll die eventually. But as long as you continue to feed, 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 by not taking responsibility for how you feel and getting control of it, yes, it sucks getting pulled over. It makes you nervous. You don't know what you're going to get. And they don't either. If if there's a good officer and you get pulled over and they do their job correctly, the, the whole incident won't feel so bad. Just like when you get pulled over in an accident or if you get an accident or you need a police and it ain't it's not where you might have a potential of being arrested or or receiving a citation. There's more of a comfortability there. So. There's a reason behind you doing what you do so that that officer that has your best interest in mind can be more comfortable with dealing with you because there is nerves on the other side of it, even though they get pulled over less than you do and they pull people over all the time. You don't know what they have had to deal with. So be courteous on your end of it so that it works better for you. Now, if you have done something, own up to it. Don't run. If you run, if you fight, it's not going to end well for you. You're going to get hurt or killed. And that's just it's not worth it at the end of the day. Just don't commit the crime if you can help it. And I know that sucks and it sounds stupid to some of you. But it's the reality that we're living in is that if you don't do what you're asked to do at this point, it's not going to change anything. They're not going to look at it as a problem if there's always some constant intervention in it that makes the officer think that it's okay for them to do what they're doing. It's not okay. But comply so that if you get hurt or get beat up and you're doing everything they tell you to do, they'll get in trouble and it won't be on you. And it's better for everybody when we're doing everything we're supposed to do and they're doing the wrong things. That way we can change it easier and faster because it presents more of a problem. Constantly, constantly, constantly always be responsible for yourself. And as well as you police officers and law enforcement and sheriff deputies out there, stop egging people on and let that ego that you have subside when you're dealing with people. Now, if you're dealing with a dangerous person, that's different. But most regular people that you pull over every day aren't looking to do anything to the police. They're afraid. They don't know what's coming. They don't know if they're going to get a ticket. They don't know if you're going to make up stuff or not. And I've seen it. I've been on the side of both the law enforcement officer who's dealt with the people that you didn't know what they were going to do. And I've been in the driver's seat as the passenger also not knowing what the cop was going to do and knowing that what he was doing might not have been legal. So there's a give and take that the officer, his job is to enforce the laws. 
And you as a person, don't argue with them. If they're being out of place or they're violating your rights, don't argue. Take it to court, document it, get a supervisor involved. But don't put yourself in a position to where they're hitting you. Because if you resist arrest, they're going to hit you. If you don't put your hands behind your back, they're going to throw you on the ground. If you have a weapon and they think that you're going to use it on them, which most of the cases it's not going to be the case, they're going to shoot you. And then all you're going to hear about on the news is officer shot you and you they thought he had a weapon. Well, if he was a, uh, a racist person or she was a racist person or, or whatever the case may be, now we can't prove it because you can't prove that in court. All that they can say is, is like what happened to Mr. Smith and before Mike Brown, that he had a criminal record and he went for the officer's gun, even though it wasn't, uh, he went for his gun, even though it turned out that it wasn't his gun, it was the officer's gun. But did that officer get convicted of it? No, because they used his prior convictions from being violent this and violent that, and they used that against that man, and now he's dead and his family can't get any restitution. So don't allow that game to continue by removing, starving that animal and making it go somewhere else. As always, guys, we do this because we really care. We did it long enough to know that there are issues with it. There's a lot that has to be changed and there's some good things about it. And sometimes the bad outweighs the good, but it needs to be balanced and right now it's not. But I'm telling you from experience, from being on the side as an officer and being just a man, a black man in America with children who want my children to live in a, in a country that they can be safe in. That's why we do this for you, my children and your children. Stay safe, stay informed every Tuesday, 7 p.m. You know how to get at us, www.uprootinc1.com, Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts. And Breaker is where this podcast plays. If you want to be on the show, the website again. If you want to sponsor, go to the website again. If you want to ask questions, the website, www.uprootinc1.com. If you want to help us make this organization better, if you want to help us make this podcast better, if you want to just help, period, www.uprootinc1.com. Until next time, fam, you be safe out there.